Good afternoon for those of you joining us live here in Conway, and good morning, evening, or night for those of you who aren't. This is the Hendrix Heretic, and I'm your faithful host, Taylor Ashman. folks so we've got a bit of a red herring in the lineup of our episodes for those of you who've been following the show we've been going pretty heavy with the political side of things this week we're wanting to take kind of a break explore a different avenue because the show isn't an inherently political one um we're this week we're going to be talking about uh, a concept called industry 4.0 with my good friend ryan straysner um ryan why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself Hi, I'm Ryan Strasner. I'm an electrical engineering major at Oklahoma State University. Again, guy, 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 guy knows what he's talking about. <laughs> but it, it's it's fine. It's fine. Enough uh, enough um, trying to gain favor with the guest. Uh, we can we can go ahead and start with the uh, the history of the or the history of the concept of the fourth industrial revolution. Uh, for those of you who don't know. Uh, it's a it's a pretty recent uh, idea in that it it only came around in about 2015 with the World Economic Forum, and their chair, his name was uh, Klaus Schwab, he kind of coined this term, the Fourth Industrial Revolution, uh, and that actually became the theme of the subsequent 2016 uh, Economic Forum, where it was or the, where it was themed around mastering the Fourth Economic Revolution. And their their forum uh, center is now actually a an attraction you can go to, hopefully post COVID in San Francisco. Uh, the theory behind the fourth industrial revolution is that it combines uh, hardware and software, and even in some cases, biology to basically advance along machines' abilities, machines and technologies' ability to talk to each other and function more cohesively and this really does kind of build on all of the other previous industrial revolutions and for those of you who aren't as deep into history as like me and ryan are uh there were actually three um the first one was the transition from uh hand production to machine production that that occurred about I think what do you, what would you say about the 1600s, Ryan? Sure. Yeah, <laughs> we don't remember much from world history, but the uh, the second one that that occurred around the 1800s that was you know just speeding everything up, making production, communication, et cetera, et cetera, faster and faster, uh, and that was done by rails and te- or telegraphs through the communication, and then the production by seeing some of the first implementations of electricity mainly in factories finally we get around to the third what's considered the third industrial revolution which occurred from about the 70s to the 90s or 2000s arguably and that's also called the digital revolution that's the one where uh me me and you and probably 
the targeted audience demographic for this show grew up in. And that's where we saw computers really come into the workplace. That's where we saw, you know, computers go from these massive things that take up rooms to devices that fit in our pockets. And that kind of brings us to the fourth industrial revolution where it's getting machines to talk to each other. And I know this is a topic that you really like, Ryan. So I will let you kind of take it away with uh, discussing some of the bigger ideas of the fourth industrial revolution of like modularity um, and just getting machines to talk to each other and getting even AI involved. Okay. Well, um, the biggest difference between the third industrial revolution and industry 4.0 is that the third industrial revolution or the digital revolution was computer aided. Manufacturing was aided by computers. Industry 4.0, manufacturing is driven by computers. Computers are no longer this thing that are a companion to what you're doing, but they are at the center of everything. And it's integrating these manufacturing processes with all of your machines, your server, your edge devices, and integrating everything through means of advanced algorithms and artificial intelligence. Yeah, and it's, it's, is this almost doing away with, because I, I grew up with the concept of the Internet of Things. I think if you remember from our robotics course we took in high school, um, Mr. Ken, he would just not, he would not be quiet about the, the Internet of Things and getting machines to talk to each other. Do you, would you say that the fourth industrial revolution is the culmination of uh, the culmination of the Internet of Things or just a like completely new thing in its own right? Well, I think uh, IoT or Internet of Things, I believe IoT is a huge part of Industry 4.0, having all of those machines communicating, sharing data, and just this pool of information. That's a huge part of Industry 4.0. Industry 4.0 in itself is not IoT, but IoT is a huge part of it. Yeah, and for those of you who don't know, uh, again, Ryan, please, please feel free to correct me where I'm wrong or jump in where uh, where you feel like where you where you want to. Um, but from my understanding, is the in, the Internet of Things is making stuff like the MacBook I'm recording on be able to talk to my washing machine or my doorbell or my lamp, and to have all of them kind of working together uh, on various scripts uh, or programs, et cetera, et cetera to just work together to make a overall more efficient lifestyle. Yeah, exactly. And IoT, kind of the heart of that is that every single device has the ability to either collect data or use data in some way or another, and most of the time it's both. So how do we communicate between, say, a thermostat that measures the ambient temperature in the room and a refrigerator that needs to use a certain amount of power to keep your food cold. If the room's cooler, maybe it doesn't have to use as much power to keep your food cold. Being able to share that information and that data between the two seemingly unrelated devices is what makes IoT so powerful in optimizing our daily lives. Yeah. And so where do you, where do you at least see the, um, the internet of things or the internet of things and industry 4.0, uh, going because i mean we we have a few different things that are in our notes of where we can take this avenue of you know increasing modularity uh rapid prototyping uh accessibility of ai and all all of those things just going forward to augment um things to i guess it, or to take industry from this 
almost sort of linear like linear approach to like this is how we've always done it to yeah now there's 50 billion ways you can get the same thing done okay well with modularity and rapid prototyping iot finds its way in allowing all of these different machines to communicate with each other so say you have a factory with um, an assembly floor and there's machines like a cnc router and a cnc lathe how do we get the part from you know the lathe to the router or vice versa internet of things kind of helps allow those two machines to communicate with each other so if there is say a fault on one machine then the other machine knows to say halt that process and work on something else until a technician can come in and fix that machine that's down so iot allows in that case for one machine that fails to fail safely. And when there's a failure, the entire factory is not out of commission until it's fixed. Only that one modular component is out of commission until it's fixed. All right. So what we're seeing is a greater, also just safety in general, uh, but we're also seeing a greater efficiency in the, in the fact that life can keep going on even with a critical component down. That, that's exactly. kind of what I'm getting. That's a big difference between, you know, before with industry and now with industry is they used to focus on mitigating failures. Mm -hmm. But the issue with mitigating failures is that you have to strive for perfection. And in the real world, sometimes perfection is hard to achieve and it allow or it restricts you from having these dynamic workflows and it constricts you to very rigid manufacturing processes. Mm -hmm. But if you can shift it away from let's never fail to, hey, when we fail, let's fail efficiently to where not everything fails, fail mm -hmm. safely, then it allows you to have those more dynamic processes and get away from this rigid manufacturing to this more dynamic manufacturing. Yeah, and that's definitely been an interesting thing to like see kind of evolve even right before our eyes because um, I remember taking tours of the various uh, factories and stuff when we were in high school in uh, robotics because again for those of you who aren't from the Greenwood area Greenwood High School had a program where students could take uh, courses in robotics at the high school through the local college and part of that program was taking tours of factories and seeing how robotization and how the future was augmenting them and it was really cool to see the the very beginnings of it and uh, I think with, I think it was maybe train, I think, I can't remember exactly anymore, but there was one factory that their whole thing was welding and they had human welders working alongside robotic welders and that the whole process, they were just talking about how they had seen a great, great uptick in pro or productivity and safety and even speed. And it's, it's overall been a really just weird thing to see just kind of birth right before us. Yeah, it's very interesting. It's definitely something that's never been seen before. Technology is ever growing and at the heart of everything that we do. Yeah, and I think you can make the art or you could probably make the argument that a lot of the uh, fourth industrial revolution is being born right in even in people's rooms because I remember... Uh, 
you know, uh, 3D printers being this like big mythical thing that like maybe we'll have one day and then I've got to be both me and you have them sitting on our desk next to us. Yeah, exactly. Um, I had access to my first 3D printer when I was in seventh grade, I believe. And that thing cost around five grand and it was worse than any of the three that I own right now. So yeah, I, and different types of 3D printers before FDM, which was like this, uh, you know, the spool of plastic coming out of extru- coming out of an extruder. This was the only thing that was readily accessible, unless you were this huge industrial entity that could afford um, sandstone printers or like a, an SLA, which prints out of liquid. Uh, but now all of those, except maybe sandstone, are cheap. You can get them for a few hundred dollars and play around with them with little to no education. Yeah, I think Shea bought one. Uh, yeah. For, he bought an SLA printer for like, maybe less than $500. And this thing is, this thing is big too. Yeah. It's bigger than mine. And mine was about the same price. I think I bought it two years ago. Yeah. And I mean that it just really kind of shows that like when, when we're adding in modern technology and modern um, AI manufacturing, all of that, just, it seems like the pace of advancement has just sped up so, so fast. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, there is there is a quote from I think Inter- yeah it's Interstellar um, where Coop his dad is talking to him and he's like back when I was a kid it uh, for those of you who haven't seen the show it, it's a few it's a few decades into the future world sucks beside the point um, his his dad was roughly our age um, or he's he's living he's roughly our age and roughly our time um, and he was talking about how it seems like every day there was some new massive breakthrough. There was some new technology. There was something new to buy. There was something new that would completely revolutionize the way we do things. And that really does seem like we're getting there close or getting there each and every day because I mean, just seeing the advancement of technology even over a decade has just been, it's been insane. And what you just said about there's a new advancement that is revolutionary every single day is at the heart of Industries 4.0. It's at the heart of modulation. Uh, previously, factories and assembly lines, they were not very modular. They were very set in their ways, very rigid. As soon as something became outdated, retooling was expensive. Getting rid of this machine and replacing that process with a new process cost hundreds of hours and lots and lots of money, lots of engineering, lots of money. Now it's kind of this direction to architect your factories and to architect your assembly lines to be modular so that when a process becomes outdated, it's as easy as popping that out and popping something in. Every single component of the modern factory is modular for that reason of there's a groundbreaking discovery every other day. So how do you update your factory every other day without losing all of your money? Yeah. And I think we could, I think you could probably even expand it out beyond the factory floor to, you know, your local Walmart or even your house. Cause I know in the Bentonville Walmart, they, Bentonville Walmart's a common test bed for uh, a lot of the R and D technology that, um, that Walmart is, is releasing. I know to, or to kind of touch on one of the avenues of uh, industry 4.0 is the integration of AI into everyday things. Uh, they, they have a robot up there where it scans the shelves, detects what's, what's there, what's not supposed to be there, 
grabs it and restocks it or I, that was that was what they were working towards whenever we were uh taking tours of of those kinds of facilities and that was one of the things that was presented to us as like the next big thing um in in walmart is it's just the addition of ai into our every single day lives <laughs> yeah and it's it's just it's really crazy to think about that like do you remember do you remember reading the uh i don't i, I think it was there will come soft rains with the fully automated house that like made toast and bacon and stuff for um uh, for the or yeah for the inhabitants that were no longer there it, it just seems like we are getting so much closer to that being a reality which is both really cool and really terrifying at the exact same time well i'm pretty sure that short story ended with nuclear fallout so i hope that's not the direction we're going yeah <laughs> no no the nuclear fallout happened before the short story oh i got you my bad <laughs> i mean we can also talk about uh fahrenheit 451 i think they also had uh, automated houses <laughs> the parlor walls <laughs> oh good lord yeah they they single-handedly predicted like ultra wide ultra wide monitors <laughs> or just kids being raised by their ipads <laughs> hey, the internet of things isn't always a good thing overall it's pretty good but not not always. i think it's really good most of the time i think it is a very powerful tool and i think it will help progress society significantly yeah i really like being able to go hey google set the thermostat to 70 degrees <laughs> and I'm really hoping one of our listeners has a Google Home. <laughs> if so, you're welcome. I'm just hoping I don't start getting ads for smart thermostats now. Oh yeah, um, we're definitely going to be getting ads for smart thermostats now. <laughs> Big yeah. AI knows. What you were mentioning with like the Bentonville Walmart and how... Um, all of these research projects being debuted there, deployed there. Um, I think the rapid advancement of, especially with artificial intelligence, the rapid advancement of technology is growing very, very fast. I mean, you think about uh, AI, you think about artificial intelligence and how a decade ago it was something seemingly sci-fi. Yeah. And then they figured out how to make it recognize characters. But even still, then you needed a PhD in computer science. You needed to understand regression algorithms and complex matrix operations. But now it's as easy as buying a $60 Jetson Nano and writing a Python script to tell it to recognize that that's an apple and not a pear. I'm Anyone actually, in their basement. <laughs> I'm actually not that familiar with the Jetson Nano. Do you want to talk about that? Because I know in our notes, that was like one of the key things that you honed in on was like that you wanted to talk about was the Jetson Nano. <laughs> um, the Jetson Nano is a, a, a embedded system. It's a platform for developing with uh, artificial intelligence. It was released by NVIDIA. It has like built-in graphics and built-in processing, and it's meant to give... Um, visual feedback through artificial intelligence. And the reason I'm familiar with that is because my current research project uses the Jetson Nano for, um, I don't know how much I'm allowed to talk about, but it uses it to recognize uh, certain safety concerns for drivers on the road. Yeah, and I guess that also shows the uh, the advancement of AI with this, um, that's being largely driven by this uh, just boom of the industry 4.0 is things like self-driven cars and the, the plug and play AI modules. And like you were saying, like any, anybody in their basement 
or even just in their room or shed or I don't know igloo could could, could train a or could train a tiny computer to basically function like a human. And the keyword you said there was module. Everything is modular, plug and play. Being able to uh, create these infrastructures where everything is modular and can be popped in and popped out at any time. That's key for rapid development. Yeah, and it definitely it definitely makes it definitely makes uh, the advancement of just stuff over time just absolutely insane. Because like, like you were talking about, just over the last ten years with uh, self driving cars and stuff, like we were it was it was something out of like uh, Blade Runner or you know Star Wars uh, of just self piloting vehicles, and now like what I think the the Tesla Model Three has an MSRP of, or with the self-driving version has an MSRP of like $40,000, which is in the price range. Most people look for a car to last them the next five or so years. And that's, that's, that's really accessible. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And when you talk about like the price coming down, I mean, you think about the, you know, modern computers, you know, they had original computers back way before the transistor. They were building them with uh, triodes and with relays and all of these things, and they were expensive. And then Silicon Valley, you know, there was the boom with the transistor. But when the transistor was developed, it was tens of dollars to make one single transistor. Now you have a smartphone with billions of transistors on them, and you don't have to pay tens of billions of dollars for that smartphone. So prices definitely, definitely come down. I don't know. Sometimes it feels like I'm, t- I'm paying tens of billions of dollars for the new <laughs> iPhone. And you think about the ambition of humans. I mean, think about how the internet works. How do we communicate between America and Europe? There are thousands of miles of glass wire passing light between two continents running at the bottom of the ocean. You think about power lines to get electricity from house to house. We ran thousands and thousands of miles of wire to almost every single house in the country. It's amazing the limits of human ambition. <laughs> yeah, and again, this lets people in their own home, you know, run their 3D printer and and actually even act almost actively participate in this fourth the great industrial revolution and you know, uh or it's you know or contribute a lot because there's i know i've seen so many videos online of people making just absolutely insane stuff with the power or with the aiding of ai with modern manufacturing with stuff just communicating back and forth except i mean and with smarter design softwares and all of yeah, that softwares yeah i'm sure i'm sure a lot of people have seen it but um for those of you who who or for those of you who aren't that prevalent on YouTube or aren't that massive nerds like us, uh, there is a YouTube channel called the Hacksmiths and using a lot of this technology we're talking about, they made a freaking lightsaber, like a real lightsaber that projects a blade of plasma and can melt through stuff and cut it in seconds. <laughs> like this is, this is real stuff. People are cooking up in their basement and it sounds, it sounds like if, if, if I hadn't lived through it and who I haven't seen some of the stuff with my own eyes, like I would, I would probably sound like a crackpot to somebody from the family. And what's incredible there is that you don't have to be this massive corporate entity to develop these technologies anymore. You can do it with very limited funds. 
that's yes yeah. <laughs> yeah i know like um for for some of our high school um for some of our high school robotics competitions like we cooked up some pretty we cooked up some impressive stuff stuff that was very rudimentary um some very rudimentary algorithms that could recognize products on shelves and grab them and, and relocate them and stuff and that was just a, a few teenagers screwing around in an attic yeah <laughs> shout out to shay's attic um <laughs> <laughs> shay's attic <laughs> yeah it's a it's a technological wonderland up there <laughs> Oh my lord, that project was painful. It was very painful, but hey, we did it. We did it through Industry 4.0, the Internet of Things, all of the the fun stuff. <laughs> it was it was still very painful. And again, yeah, a lot of uh, we are talking about the the uh, the technical technological might and how much of a wonderland stuff is. But I think I think what a lot of people don't realize is that it is painful and frustrating to get to this point. Yeah. I, I know we spent uh, probably three hours trying to troubleshoot why our um, our master and slave device couldn't communicate. And the reason was because we weren't telling the software that it was a new line or something like that. All we had to add was two characters to our code and it fixed it. But it took three or four hours to find those two characters. <laughs> yeah, then I remember we got to we got to our hotel room and we went to turn it on and just a bunch of smoke started coming from the uh, from the board. That was a fun day. That was fun. We let the magic smoke out. <laughs> <laughs> Don't breathe the magic smoke. Oh boy. <laughs> but yeah, I mean I wish that wasn't so uh common to accidentally burn up like a stepper motor driver i know i'm really bad about that is like hooking the wrong voltage levels to the wrong part of the circuit and then things start smoking it's always the most sad feeling of <laughs> but again to yeah it it is yeah burning burning stepper motors up and stuff it is it's very frustrating it's very frustrating when it happens but again luckily due to a lot of the advancements and things we've learned uh through just the progression of technology is that this stuff is modular. And when you burn up a really, or a somewhat expensive component, it is kind of, it's as long as you have the funds, you can just go, Oh, that sucked. Yoink and yank it out and plug in a new one. Yeah, exactly. I think those stepper drivers were $3 a piece. We just unplugged it, plugged in a new one. <laughs> we, we used up so much money on that robot. It was what? $300. It was three hundred dollars. Okay, that's not too. We made it out of nice aluminum extrusion, and <laughs> we definitely, yeah, we definitely could have um, gone way cheaper. And and again, a lot of a lot of what we did was through the rapid prototyping because I think we utilized what like three different three D printers, um, a CNC machine, and a laser cutter to get this all done. Yep. And again, we we were high schoolers screwing around in an attic, not knowing really what we were doing, it, other than yeah, we, we think this works this way because GitHub told us so. That uh that machine was developed uh, from time of hey, this is the idea to the time that I finished designing the CAD models. It was one night. We yeah. Shay came with me with the idea when he wanted me to be a part of the team, and he told me the idea. I modeled the robot, gave him a part list. He ordered the parts the next day. And for the most part, that design was valid. So just smarter CAD software, smarter simulation softwares, and it's very easy to develop this stuff. Yeah. It just, it really just shows that how easy things are. And again, if you expand that out to a billion dollar corporation that has funds, 
that can do it. Like, it's no wonder that we went from, you know, Elon Musk talking about, yeah, self-driving cars may come in the next 10 years to, hey guys, or self-driving cars are coming out tomorrow. Have fun. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. That man, that man, what a man. (laughs) Awful person, but good businessman. And, All right. <laughs> well, and again, I'm this, an Elon fan, so you're uh, an Elon fan. I'm an Elon fan. I like I like him as a businessman. Just as a person, he just rubs me the wrong way a lot of the time. <laughs> but again, this or I think a lot of a lot of what we can we've been talking about today is is really something that you can do at home, which is one of the which again is cool. And we're talking we're sounding like a broken record. And again, if this isn't this isn't something that's interesting in you, this is really something you should research. And because you can 3D print your own phone cases from your house, you can, in theory, make your own phone, your own laptop. You can a lot of the stuff that you're paying hundreds of dollars for with a little like with an hour or two of research, you could figure out how to do it yourself for cheaper. And it, it just it, it again it goes on to show that a lot of a lot of the principles of the industry 4.0 or the fourth industrial revolution are going beyond the going beyond the factory floor, unlike the previous three, and they are going into the home. And that this really isn't something for this isn't really something. For, or this is really something that affects the economy now and us 10 years later, this is something that is affecting us right now. And this is something that we can take active participation in. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All right, guys, we do have to go to a slight break. Um, Just it's, it's that point in the show. Um, Remember guys, you are listening to this live on 93.1 KHDX and Conway. And guys, as long as the world's still here, I'll still be here. Enjoy the vibe. All right, so we'll break for a second. Um, I need to get my butt. It's like falling asleep. (laughs) I hope you're not recording still. No, we still are. We'll just cut it out. It'll be. Oh, shoot, man. You got to warn me about that. No, it'll be okay. We'll cut it out. It's it's powerful. You got to cut out. God damn it. Yeah, we'll have to. I'm cut glad that. I didn't call the robot shitbot. I almost did. Yeah, don't call it shitbot. <laughs> we can't call it that. No, you better delete this footage. <laughs> <laughs> what was that laugh? Are you blackmailing me? Yes, I am. Going to Cade. Oh man. Okay, so yeah, this this last the, the these last fifteen minutes or so, they'll um, so- it'll just. Sorry, it'll just be like closing up. Um, it'll just be wrapping up. We'll just kind of resummarize what all we've talked about. And then this is kind of where it's more open to your own personal opinions um, of like what you think it'll, of what do you think it'll be like and and how, um, or yeah, just basically what you think, uh, where you think stuff's going. It, it's really just a, a time to share your own personal opinions and your own personal speculations. If that makes sense. Uh, all right. I don't know if I'm qualified for that, but <laughs> you definitely don't have to be. We haven't been qualified on anything we've talked about. 
Uh, now I'm going to blackmail you. <laughs> Ryan, I blast this all over public radio, man. <laughs> I blast my ignorance like nothing else. All right. That's why we bring, that's why I bring on stuff. Um, yeah, that's why I bring on people who know what they're doing. So I don't have to know what I'm doing. <laughs> I got an email. Oh, it's not important. All right. So yeah, we can start again in, again, this, this section will be about 15. This will, this will be about 15 minutes long. No, no pressure. Um, uh, do you, I'll let you go ahead and do the summarization. Cause I feel like you are more the expert just like, all right. And we're, and we're back. Uh, for those of you who are just now tuning in, um, we're talking about blah, 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 blah. Ryan, do you, Ryan as the in-house or the in-zoom expert, um, <laughs> as the in-zoom expert, do you just want to give a quick summarization of what we've been talking about to those of you who are just now joining in? um and so it no biggie um we'll start in are you are you ready to get back to recording uh yeah sure all right start in five four three
Alright folks, and we're back. For those of you who are just now tuning in, we are talking about Industry 4.0 and how that not only not only applies to the factory floor, but our lives too. Uh, our in-Zoom expert, our in-Zoom expert here, Ryan, do you want to kind of uh, summarize what we've been talking about for anybody who could, or who's either just skipping through the timeline on the, on the recorded bit of the show or just now tuning in with us live? Sure. Um... So Industry 4.0 is the uh, the fourth industrial revolution after the digital revolution. So it's the shift from computer-aided manufacturing to computer-driven manufacturing. And it utilizes components such as uh, IoT or Internet of Things, uh, artificial intelligence, and um, principles of modularity, components that can be popped in and popped out so that it can rapidly grow and rapidly advance. We've talked about how this rapid growth and rapid advancements have led to ease of development, even for non-professionals and non-corporate entities, such as us, such as hobbyists and college students, who just want to play around with 3D printers, CNCs, and laser cutters, and play around with AI through you know, $60 boards like the Jetson Nano. <laughs> yeah, and again, that does probably bring to what at least some of the listeners are thinking, why... I'm, I'm not going into industry. I'm not going to be an engineer. Why, why should I care? Why, how does this affect me? And like, what, what's, what's your honest personal opinion on how it affects us day to day as people, not corporations or factories? Well, the key word is industry for It doesn't matter what industry you're a part of. This will impact your life and the way that you do your job. It doesn't matter if you're a doctor IoT will help your instruments communicate so that you can have more accessible data while you're performing surgery. This technology will lead to more effective surgical practices. It doesn't matter if you're a doctor or a mailman or an engineer. The effects of Industry 4.0 will impact your daily life and your job. Yeah, and I think it's, or at least for the mailman, you probably should worry about the uh... Uh, industry 4.0 just due to the automation and same thing for you know a lot of the self-driving cars we've been talking about because i've i've definitely seen um just driving back and forth to arkansas at least one uh, autonomous semi-truck and that has been a a sight to behold (laughs) and you say that worry about like mail you have to bear in mind usps is one of the strongest proponents of artificial intelligence they kind of pioneered that optical character recognition to optimize their sorting of letters. They're one of the, uh, or used to be, I'm not 100% sure, I haven't heard any news recently from USPS, but at least at the beginning, they were a huge, huge player in 
modernizing artificial intelligence and dynamic assembly lines. I haven't actually heard much of them, much from the USPS since the whole mail-in ballot thing and how they've been gutted to not let that happen. It weird process. I don't weird political <laughs> thing. Not not for not for this show. We're talking about cool robots right now. <laughs> The mail system is very, very heavily impacted and very heavily aided by computing. Yeah, I, and again, it yeah, it, it's something as simple as your mail that is absolutely affected. And I think, I think I, for me personally, I, I see nothing but good coming from all of this and or from all of this stuff. And I understand that people somehow do have some apprehension. So I guess, do you where do you where do you think this is going to lead? Do you think this is going to be an overall net positive or is this going okay. to be be like the nightmare thing where none of us have jobs? It's all robots. <laughs> well, um, you know, people argue all the time that robots take away jobs, and people counter that argument with, uh, well, for every job you create, you're um, also, or for every job you take away with a robot, you're creating multiple jobs for the engineer that develops the robot, for the technicians that work on the robot, for the person that designs the toolpath. But then, you know, comes in, well, those are more educated jobs, more educated positions, so it still displaces the uneducated workforce. But if you think about what technology is doing by actually aiding those processes with artificial intelligence, is it simplifies the manufacturing process. You think about a robot arm, and I know we were in robotics together before, robot arms had to be programmed very rigorously. You used a motion controller and you had to program, you know, points and movements. Yeah. Now you just drag it to a point, screenshot the position, drag it to another point, screenshot that position, and now you have a motion path. Anyone can do it. As technology advances, the jobs get easier. Yeah, I definitely remember programming those robots and those were a nightmare to do. And then and then we got to um some of our later projects and like it was just it, or even seeing some of the other um stuff at the uh at our high school robotics competitions, it was just drag and drop in code that you could teach a kindergartner how to do. And actually I, exactly. I have I have seen kindergartners do it. It's weird. <laughs> it is weird. <laughs> And I do think that there are new issues that come with job displacement, with uh, optimizing all of this, where it's a new revolution. And with that comes new challenges. And you can't deny that those challenges exist, but I do mm -hmm. believe that it will be a net positive, as you say. Yeah. And I think, I think if you're, ta if we're talking about, if we're switching the art or switching the top for at least subtopic very briefly to the loss of jobs, stuff like that, you, you could pretty well argue that, every single revolution got rid of some jobs while drastically increasing others. Like the first industrial revolution, like I remember from world history, we talked about how that lowered the need for farmers so, so, so much because, you know, one farmer now could do the work of 10. And so, yes, that got rid of a lot of farmers. And at the time you could argue that learning how to do something like sewing was a educated skill but we saw millions upon millions of people still leave the farm and go to the factory and i think a lot of i think a lot of the people working on the factory floor will probably won't won't necessarily or won't necessarily leave the factory floor uh it will or instead they'll kind of shift around to from working the assembly line to running the assembly line 
Yeah, exactly. And when you think about that standard of education, if you look back through history, the standard of education is constantly growing. You know, it wasn't uncommon for our parents and especially our grandparents to not have a college education. Now it's fairly well expected to at least have a trade school background or a university background. Um, before our grandparents, our great great grandparents, they often weren't even expected to know how to read. And between there, people weren't expected to know how to do advanced math. The standard of education is constantly growing. Now high schools enforce that you take an algebra and they heavily encourage going to a university. That's something that was not encouraged 100 years ago or 200 years ago. So I mean, the yeah, even, even 50 years ago. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I guess it's just so much of that. It's it seems like it seems that technology is vastly outpacing society and culture, and that we're we're diving on headfirst done because a lot of this stuff is super super cool, and then we're just kind of left with the background of like, all right, great, now 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 what do we do? Mm -hmm. And again, those are the issues that will arise with a new with anything new, but I do believe it will be a net positive. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think it would be, I think it'd be absolutely wonderful if we could take this to the full extent and, you know, make, make the almost perfect uh, factory that is, or that is, leaves a net carbon or a net, even a net negative carbon footprint, or at, le at the very least a net carbon zero footprint and just makes manufacturing faster, cheaper, yeah, faster, cheaper, uh, and even cleaner and safer overall. Yeah, exactly. And that's only possible through technology. Yeah, and I I know again from speaking from our time in robotics, it was, it was it was kind of a marvel to see just how safe the uh, how safe the the modern factory was, um, especially when you compare that to our grandparents. At least my grandpa has more than a few scars from his time on <laughs> the um, or from his time working at Whirlpool and and. and and their tool and die division. And then it was, it was pretty common for us when we toured factories to see, you know, days since the last accident numbering in the years. Yeah, exactly. And you think about uh, pre OSHA regulations, you know, oh, Lord. Uh, first industrial revolution. <laughs> yeah. That was even worse. Like <laughs> before, yeah. before, before it was arguably wrong to make a eight year old crawl around in your machine. Now it is wrong <laughs> to make an eight-year-old do that. Who would have thought? Oh, uh, man. That, that is not a good way to make your factory more efficient. Well, <laughs> luckily we have robots that can crawl around our factories now. Ooh, robots that crawl around in robots to fix the robots. Ooh. I like where, this, know, is, I like where this is going. Robotics, cool IoT stuff going on. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of... I troubleshooting <laughs> it's a lot of it's a lot of just hypothetical stuff they that it, it it is honestly just gonna be a miracle and it's gonna be one of the weird or not even weird it's gonna be one of the cooler things just to watch over the next few years exactly that's what's so exciting is to think about all of these weird possibilities that i mean you hear about elon musk trying to pioneer mars you hear about the uh, cell towers being contracted to be constructed on the moon like we are gearing up for something oh yeah and it's it's going to be one of the most marvelous things to watch but ryan i'm really sorry to do this to you but we are reaching the end of our show do you have any just final closing remarks you want to make to the audience 
Um, Industry 4.0 is new, it's exciting, and it's the future. (laughs) And for my closing remarks, I really do think that this is something that is going to affect everything, like you said, from doctors to mailman to uh, engineers to or to even secretaries and just absolutely beyond it's going to be it's going to be in our homes it's going to be in our workplace it's going to just be everywhere i mean it's already in our cars and in our in our pockets through our phones and it's just it's 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 exciting it's really really exciting to see where where it goes (laughs) but so i'm sad to say audience this is all we have time for today Thank you for tuning in, and remember, shoot, oh well, (laughs) it's fine, we'll cut it out. Special thanks to KHDX for hosting the show live, Nate Poplin for the original music, and for being this week's guest musician. Check him out on SoundCloud at Nate Poplin. Questions, comments, topic for future shows, or you just simply want to be on the show? Find us on Instagram at The Hendrix Heretic. And if you missed an episode, remember, check us out wherever you enjoy podcasts.